0: Before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years, I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Hello.
1: Let's celebrate now. Celebrate. Let's party! Popping champagne corks. Get the glasses out.
0: Why are we celebrating, Nicola? It's that time again. It is... The Press Awards, the National Press Awards, the Oscars of journalism. And this podcast... The and me. Ladies and gentlemen... Is shortlisted for news podcast of the year. Yay. Yay. Celebration Town. Come, Come on. on. We're up against The Spectator, The Telegraph, The New Statesman, The Guardian, How Highbrow us. Highbrow, we're highbrow. highbrow we're highbrow. Considering we have the words moist. So. <laughs> so we're,
1: Very highbrow. A
0: podcast that discusses front bottoms. Yeah. Moise. Willies. Miranda Priestley. Yeah. David. Nicola's fatness. It's up against the most highbrow people in the universe. But when I told Nicola, she said, when's the ceremony? It's in real life now. Because we were shortlisted last time, but it wasn't in real life. And I won columnist of the year, obviously. Did no-one
1: know that?
0: Is, it, is that something? Did, did anyone miss that? That you weren't going to miss the year? The first thing Nicola said was, so I told her it was in March, the first thing Nicola said was, yeah. I'm not going unless I'm a size 10.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be my one award ceremony my entire life, and I've got to have the dress. This
0: but is- she's not going unless it's a size no. 10. Yeah. So if she's still a size 14 dress. or a 12... I'm going to have to lift the trophy on my Alone. own. On my own. Well,
1: this is sort of like, I've never been married, have I? This is my opportunity to wear like a, a sort of wedding dressy type thing for an award
0: ceremony, isn't it? So I've already alerted tired. the stylist. Alicia, Alicia, Alicia you're on I standby. Need I
1: need the skims. Skims.
0: You've got to buy skims. She can't hire them because it's underwear next to your moistness. So you've got to buy the skims. You've got to buy complete body stocking skims. Mine's well, going to have to go from my earlobes to my toes, isn't it? Let's face it. So we're shortlisted of podcasts of the year, and I'm sure that a lot of it was down to you, the listeners, for getting our numbers up. And Rosie. And Rosie the And producer. Rosie, our lovely,
1: who, who protects all her faux pas. My mum did have some advice, though, on me getting thin. For the Oscars.
0: What did your mum say? We'll have to sew your mouth up. <laughs> Thanks, mum. Now, this week, I've been watching on Channel 4 I Am Ruth, starring Kate Winslet. And I'm a bit of a late fan for Kate Winslet. I didn't like her in the Titanic because I felt she was too big for Jack, really. She wore too much makeup. And if she'd been smaller, Jack could have got on the raft and not been frozen to death and died. Well, if she hadn't have been starfishing across the bleeding thing. I
1: mean, she's she's on the raft. Like, she left the Jack dangling in the water.
0: She pushed him off. I'm sure there was a little bit of pushing off. Who would do that to Leonardo DiCaprio? No. 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 Kate Winslet, no. And... I've had a lot of run-ins with Kate Winslet over the years. (laughs) She's not really your friend, is she? (laughs) She's not really my friend. And the BAFTAs, I was in the fashion pen. And you might think that being in the BAFTAs at the fashion pen is glamorous. It's not. They put the fashion pen outside the Royal Opera House at the end of a big marquee. So when it's raining, all the rain runs down the marquee and it drips on us. So I was in the fashion pen, frozen, being dripped on, and Kate Winslet comes down the red carpet, and because of the articles I've written in the Daily Mail about her... You shrunk. You hid. No, she said, I'm not going to go and speak to Liz Jones. and She wouldn't come and speak to me, so that's why I got that black actor who was in the Tom Cruise film. Which which Tom Cruise film? You Got Me at Hello. Oh, Cuba Gooding one. Jr. That I got one. Cuba Gooding Jr. instead of Kate Winslet because Kate Winslet couldn't come stick big to me. And the only question I'd written in my little frozen hand being dripped on was how long did it take you to get ready? So I said to Cuba Gooding Jr., how long did it take you to get ready, Cuba? And he said about five minutes, and that was it. And he thought I was mad. No.
1: Although if you'd have said that to my ex-boyfriend, George, how long does it take you to get ready? It would have been about 3.5 hours. Was he a gay man? No, he wasn't. He was Greek. And we blow-dried the hair, and we poured the kuros over ourselves, and we were in the bathroom much longer than me. So anyway, I on. loved
0: her in Mare of Town. And I loved her in I Am Ruth. And she plays a mother who's got a teenage daughter who is so rude to her and shuts herself in her bedroom and is monosyllabic. It made me think, thank God I didn't have children. Thank God I didn't have children. Did you watch it now? I did watch it and I, I really enjoyed it. But in I am Ruth on Channel 4 Kate Winslet is dealing with the daughter who has body image issues but she's constantly taking Instagram photos of herself and posting them online. Yeah. This will sort of lead to the archive really which is my first ever piece in the Daily Mail. But what I can't understand is a someone with body dysm- dysmorphia syndrome as someone who's been a very severe anorexic someone with the, so I never look at photos myself I don't look in the mirror I have all the lights off if you hate your body why would you take photos of it and then be upset by
1: all the comments I think it depends on your reasons wasn't it because when I was anorexic my, my thing was I wanted to be thin there was no sort of underlying thing of you know emotional thing that I was trying to hide from that came out in my eating. I wanted but
0: to But why hit. was this girl putting pictures of herself on Instagram? I
1: think she's just trying to validate herself somehow. This this pressure on media but social it wasn't explained the in the program.
0: No. I I think
1: what I found interesting about, about it was the dynamics between the mother and daughter and the 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 mum you know sort of was trying so hard it doesn't come with a manual does it when you have children. It, and it made me appreciate what my mum went through when I had issues, and I was a grumpy teenager, and I had these issues with sort of hiding that I wasn't eating or throwing up what I was eating and stuff. And I could see the sort of that the, the balance reenacting where my mum would try and be really sort of nice, come on, let me help you, to getting very frustrating, saying just just bloody eat something. Or I could see that all it was very. But realistic. as a teenager,
0: very. I would not. Ever have considered talking to my mum in the way this girl talked to Kate Wednesday and also there's a lot of blame put on social media there's a lot of blame put on Twitter TikTok, Instagram etc I personally don't think we can totally blame social media because when I was anorexic I didn't know The word anorexia existed. I didn't know a single other person who did it. I wasn't copying anyone. I made it up by myself. I didn't know anyone else who did it. I didn't know it had a name. I didn't post pictures of myself. Girls, I think what we don't appreciate about young girls is we're so clever and we're so manipulative, we're so devious. We will do stuff to harm ourselves all by ourselves. Get we don't that. need Elon Musk. We don't need Instagram. We don't need t- don't need Snapchat. We don't need any of those things. We will come up with it by ourselves. And I didn't know anyone else who starved themselves. No. I didn't know it was a thing. I thought I invented it. So I think it's slightly easy to blame social media and I admit it can be very inflammatory but I think what we need to address is what is it that we're not giving young women me the girl in I'm Ruth I thought the actress was brilliant yeah I did I did what are we not giving them that they can just go and lead happy lives what are they lacking in their lives is it from their school? Is it from parents? Is it from friends? Is it magazines? Is it the media? Is it film? I because think probably
1: it's different for everybody, isn't it? I think different influences. You no, mean, but I think
0: you... girls are lacking something, and I don't think we know what that is. Yeah. We've Cage, if you're listening, next time I'm standing under the drips in the fashion pen on the red carpet, please come and talk to me. And she'll think of a better question as well. Yeah, not like how long did you did it take you to get something ready? with gravitas? Something proper. Why didn't you let Leo on the raft? Oh, God. <laughs> Poor Leah. Because she
1: was starfishing. She was
0: protecting her space. Now we've <coughs> both been watching. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm gonna call it Megan Two. The last three episodes of Megan and Harry on Netflix. We have. And really, Meghan and Harry have gone to war, really, with the British media, haven't they? And the headlines and my piece about cradling her bump and my piece about her writing on bananas. I'm going to be a bit counterintuitive here because the the press has all been very negative all around the world, saying they're just whiny and moany or whatever they're called. Is that the new names for them, whiny and moany? But I think Harry did make a very good point in the documentary. And he said, just because Camilla had terrible press... Do you remember the terrible yeah. press about Camilla? Tampon Gate. It was kind of understandable. Catherine, Whitey Katie, she was hounded by the paparazzi. Diana was hounded by the paparazzi, portrayed as crazy. Harry made a very good point, And he said, just because they put up with the abuse... <laughs> Doesn't mean that Megan has to put up with the no. abuse, and I, I think that's true. Just because it's historically happened, yeah. doesn't mean that in this day and age, Megan should put up with it. Yeah, I agree with that. And although I think they're attacking the media rather than social media, and social media is much, much worse. I mean, I've been reading things about Megal that are just literally, literally, unbelievably shocking. Mm the death threats, the accusations, the personal, the heads of different colour to her neck and all that kind of stuff, the tears were fake. I would say to people, unless you've experienced that, from people who aren't named, you don't know who they are, and I've had death threats.
1: Yep, you have. You
0: know, when I went to the refugee camp in somalia i had death threats die die again i've had threats on my animals threats on my house threats on my person and we're looking for a reason why did they go why did they go why did they go unless you've experienced that level of abuse and you think to yourself okay i'm an upstanding person Uh, i look after my dogs i never shout at them I'm kind, I'm generous, I always try to dress well, I always do my best, I'm never off sick, I don't take drugs. Unless you've experienced these personal, personal attacks, like do you remember when that man wrote to the rescue charity and put on Facebook that I'm not going to name him here, I wasn't fit to have another rescue dog and Teddy was to be taken off me. Yeah. I have had a year of waking up in the middle of the night and being terrified that my dog's going to be taken off me by a man who just decided on social media to attack me. And you saw the stress of that, Nick. No, it's awful. The legal stress, the tribunal, the results... My managing editor saying, oh, well, I didn't want to upset you, but he's complained about this, he's complained about that, he's complained about the podcast. Unless you have experienced the abuse on social media and anyone could take a pick at you, anyone could take a pop at you, you don't understand what Meghan's been through. And I am here to say, as a member of the British tabloid press... I understand you, Megan, that you were so upset and you were reduced to tears because I've been there. (laughs) So what have you been watching, Nick, apart from Megan and Harry? Apart from it. And Doctors. Don't forget Doctors. I bloody love Doctors.
1: (coughs) Well, the other week we talked about um, something I'd watched and you wanted to know about Front Bottoms, didn't you? What was that? Oh. Oh, it was Harry Styles. That was Harry Styles. Well, I've got all the front bottoms you could possibly want in this one. Lady Chatterley's Lover with Emma Corrin on um,
0: Netflix. Do you like Emma Corrin? Well, put it this way. But Emma was Diana yeah, in The Crown. I thought she was very good in that. She was very good.
1: I've seen more of Emma Corrin than I have myself. I've seen more of Emma Corrin than I have of Martin or any, any of my exes. Who plays her lover? He's, um, oh, God. Bring on Google. Is he handsome? Do you know, he is handsome. And he, I have to say, he was very good. They were all very good in it. They were all good. But Emma Corrin does still the show in, in this one. I mean, did you ever see the TV series with Sean Bean? Lady Chatterley's Lover?
0: Yeah.
1: Now, Sean Bean was definitely the star of that, wasn't he? He was, uh,
0: Yeah, his teeth are a bit odd, I think.
1: Oh no, he was—he was the sexy. I think that was ninety-three, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, but I think his teeth are a bit odd. I've got to oh, think no, about I like, teeth. I
1: like Sean Bean. If I was going to go for a bit of rough, like—I mean, I suppose for me it's hard to find a bit of rough. But if I was going to go for a bit of rough, it would be Sean Bean, definitely. That's sort of you know, quite manly, very manly, and and he sort of stole the show in the TV series. But she firmly steals the show in this. A husband who plays uh, Sir Clifford. He's very good, but the gamekeeper is, is yeah, he's great. I mean, you see a lot of him. I mean, you can't sort of argue that you see more of the woman than not of the man here. It is bouncing around like nobody's business. You get it's not like food. it's not like Fifty
0: Shades where no. you, if you look at your popcorn, you've
1: missed it. No, 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 you're not going to miss anything in here because if you blink or go and make a cup of tea, maybe some toast maybe dinner, you're going to come back and they're still going to be naked. I have to say the sex was very realistic as well. Very realistic. It was over really quickly and it was quite uninspired.
0: Do you want to hear this for his column, which is very, very, very <coughs> highbrow? Is it highbrow enough to be award-winning?
1: Come on, Jones, you've got to pull it out the flipping can now because
0: if we don't win, I'm blaming you. Well, I think a nomination for the podcast is in. It's a de facto nomination for my column because it's all organic. Yeah, one you're,
1: you're going to have to really put some effort in now. They're
0: going to take my crown off in March, and put it back on again. Yeah, no,
1: honestly, you're going to have to put some effort in now because if I don't, if I get myself skinny and get a really lovely dress, and I'm just sitting there, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. You,
0: you're just going to have to produce the goods. We was robbed. We were robbed. So the column this Sunday in You Magazine. I know where my bread's buttered. (laughs) The man from the Midlands who contacted me then sent me an internet entry that states I was born in 1951. Do I need to be upset any further? Refused to be deterred. He's just sent this. Hi, Liz. Twice you have warned me that after I see your columns, I won't want anything to do with you, smiley emoji. I read the latest column and it didn't put me off. I think you would be fun to know. (laughs) Oh, dear God. And who knows where it may lead? I'm in York shortly and would love to meet you over dinner. Second smiley emoji. How old is he? Twelve? He obviously has not read the entire Liz Jones oeuvre, such as I hired a private detective to find out whether my then-husband had called the cow-whore baggage in New York. I wrote that David took an old e-tablet out of his wallet during dinner with my boss. It had fluff on it. I wrote that my husband never gave me an orgasm, Or a decent Christmas present. He gave me a DVD of the L word. Another year, a random DVD from Lost. I never understood Lost. Do you remember Lost? They landed on an island in a plane. Naveen Andrews. Yeah, and they were lost. Naveen Andrews? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know I have a crush on him? I think we all know that. Naveen Andrews, if you're listening... I think that's highly unlikely. I'm free on Christmas Day. I revealed that David spent twenty one ninety nine on my engagement ring to put this figure into perspective. I spent thirty euros every time he ordered an espresso at the Plaza Athene in Paris. I pretended to be David on Facebook to argue with his ex. His ex was arguing with me. And she's a mother and a grandmother. And I said to her, listen, love, every child adds 10 years. It does. What happened to me then?
1: Is it every dog adds 10 years to me?
0: Every beagle. Every
1: beagle. No, every beagle's at least 20 years.
0: I could go on over a million words of bile. I'm still deciding whether or not to meet him. He just sounds like an ordinary bloke. Nothing wrong with that, but I deserve something more. Someone interesting and accomplished and funny.
1: Right, I, so, okay, so basically, if he's read this before you meet him, it may not be an issue now.
0: But this is coming out after I should have met him. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> going to so, say, because he may, he may read this. Don't confuse the timeline. <laughs> okay, I won't go, well, sharp. I've just had some bad news. The house I put an offer on, the dilapidated Georgian townhouse, is deemed unsuitable for a mortgage as it's next to a dentist, i.e. a commercial property. What are they worried about? Drilling? If I do want to still proceed, I'll need a 25% deposit and we charge an interest rate of 9.5%. It's
1: not like it's a nightclub, is it? It's
0: a dentist.
1: It's not like it's like... Got bouncers
0: and drunks falling out of here at 3am. It's galling, isn't it? That our entire focus from, say, the age of 11 is finding a boyfriend, getting the clothes, the body, the car, the career, the interesting anecdotes or antidotes in order to attract someone halfway decent. When all the while we should have been focused on owning our own home, financial security. It's deliberate, surely. That there's a raft of industries designed to distract us from Jackie magazine to the diet, dating and travel industries. Rom-coms, cosmetic surgeons, the Gucci catwalk, skincare, makeup brands, Instagram and on and on and on and on. Why did I spend my redundancy when I was sacked as a magazine editor on a week in Florence? expressly to impress my boyfriend, who elected to stay in the room to watch football and refused to wear a jacket to eat on the terrace. If someone, a man, obviously, hadn't invented the Hollywood wags, I would doubtless be, today, mortgage-free. Anyway, the new man from the Midlands persists. Do you prefer a Friday or a Saturday evening and somewhere close to where you live? I can either pick you up... I don't want him to know where I live. No, that's a no. Absolutely not. Or meet at a venue. I'm really easygoing. I replied I need to know more about him before agreeing to anything. So he sent me the following. We can learn more about each other over dinner. I have my own business. I love dogs. I'm separated and have been dating on Elite. I like adventure and to take risks. I'm sociable I'm not looking for love at first sight, it doesn't happen. Yes, it does. It did for me with David. I, me, I saw David in nineteen eighty-three at a party. I saw his little ponytail. Instant.
1: Yeah. Instant. It was for me
0: entirely. Anyway, the man from the Minda says, I would never lie to you. So what do we all think? Should I meet him or not meet him? I'm going to destroy him, aren't
1: I? Yeah, I mean, I already feel sorry for him, to be honest. But, you know, why not? It could just all turn around. You could walk through the door and he could be the one.
0: You can read this week's diary in full from Man on Sunday's You magazine. Do you want to go to the archive? Let's do it. This is the first piece I wrote for the Daily Mail. May the it's going to go down in history. This May the fourth, two thousand. Do you want to hear this? Look Let's, more interested. What was, what was you doing in two thousand? I was in the front row of a fashion show. Your happy place. It was glamorous and exciting. Magazine editors and fashion directors were there, famous photographers, movie stars, Liam Gallagher and his couture-clad wife, Patsy. Do you know there's only six degrees of separation between me and Patsy? I'm not going to tell you what it is. I knew all the models' names, their beauty routines and who they were dating. I idolised these young women. I wanted to be just like them. Finally, finally, here I was, years later, about to meet them. But sitting there in the front row as editor of Marie Claire, watching girls with no buttocks and no breasts, with their hips jutting and collarbones shining, I was shocked, for it isn't until you actually see models up close that you realise just how thin they really are. After the Galliano show, I went backstage, that was Dior, Galliano for Dior, I went backstage to meet the new supermodel, the curvy model of the moment, 19-year-old Brazilian Giselle Bunchen, to give her a hug. She felt like a bag of bones. Many of these girls are naturally tall and skinny, and not all of them are thin, but most women simply aren't built that way. Yet the constant bombardment of images of women well under eight stone has, in recent years, become even more prevalent. You need it only to look at the number of bony bottoms and scrawly necks making their way up the red carpet at the Oscars, and it affects all of us to some degree. Indeed, no one knows better than me what effect the current of extreme thinness can have on young women, because I've been anorectic for most of my life. And even though my eating disorder is now under control, not a day goes by when I don't count calories or punish myself for having indulged. If I have a dinner in a restaurant one evening, for example, I still don't allow myself to eat anything the next day. And it all stems from a childhood spent desperate to be like the models in magazines. I grew up with three older sisters who, influenced by the images in the then popular magazines like Honey and Jackie, were on permanent diets as teenagers. It would be one mad slimming regime after another, One day, they would eat only grapefruit. Next, they would only eat boiled eggs. I remember pummeling my sister Lynn on her bottom with two table tennis bats. Pummel, 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 Because we believed that pummeling her with table tennis bats would make her lose weight. It was only a matter of time before I followed suit. And at the age of 11, I announced that I would no longer eat toast and marmalade in the morning, or biscuits or bread, it was only nimble that I would eat. Do you remember that? She flies like a bird in the sky. But nimble is she only She flies low calorie like a bird. Because it's so small. A slice of nimble
1: is smaller than the palm of my hand. That's why it's bloody lower calorie.
0: Being on a diet was something my sisters and my mum didn't take too seriously because they never kept it up for long. So the fact that I only ate banana sandwiches... Entire time in high school I was excused from school dinners The smell made me wretch The only thing I ate For my entire time in high school Was banana sandwiches on brown bread With no butter Oh god, no, no butter Oh no People didn't really understand Eating disorders back then My addictions to magazines started in 1975 and I would spend hours scrutinizing every beauty and fashion spread, longing to be as thin as the model they featured. It was then my eating disorder took hold. I lost more and more weight. I was certainly under seven stone. So that nobody would notice, I dressed in baggy clothes and thick jumpers. I avoided people hugging me or touching me, and they'd find out how bony I was. That is true to this day. I still hold men at arm's length. All the girls at school would eat sweets, but not me. I saw them as weak and undisciplined. Yet however thin I became, I still loathed myself for not being thinner. I never thought I measured up. Throughout my teens I didn't have a single boyfriend. I was terrified they always think I was fat. I remember thinking I remember kissing a boy once at a party. And not wanting him to touch me, to film me, to think that I was too thin. It became a lot easier to diet when I left home when I was 18 to study media in London and live in a student flat. I had the no eating thing down to a fine art. Days became good or bad depending on how many calories I'd eaten. If it was more than 600 I'd hate myself. I didn't feel I was attractive in any way, and I never looked at mirrors or wanted my picture taken. If you look at my family photo album, it's it's as though I don't exist. Even at college, I still didn't have a boyfriend. If I found myself revolting, surely men would feel the same. I would write lists about all the things I had to do before I could even contemplate going out with someone. Here is a list I wrote in 1984 when I was 22. B seven Stone. Have hair done at Ellis Helen in Walton Street on London. Ellis Helen did the hair of Andy McDowell. Diet and exercise. I went to three hour dance classes on Saturday mornings in Covent Garden. Pilates classes three nights a week and I ran every morning. Learned to drive. That was a positive one. Yeah. Buy Calvin Klein shorts from Crocodile on South Moulton Street. Buy Moulton browners to curl my hair. Have a facial. Have electrolysis. These last two were significant. When you're surviving on 200 calories a day, you're not pretty. My body thought I was dying. My periods stopped altogether. I've only ever had one. My skin was terrible. I was always weak and tired. I started to have panic attacks when I went on the tube and I thought I was going blind. I finally thought, I'm so scared, I need to go and see a doctor. I was 26 and I should have been enjoying myself. I was so weak, I would black out when I stood up. My doctor forced me onto the scales. And when he saw how little I weighed, he sent me to St. Bart's Hospital in London. I was seen by a, a consultant endocrinologist who just said I was dangerously underweight and I had to eat three meals a day and have snacks in between. Yeah, right, I thought, like, that's going to happen. That's really, really just not helpful, is it? No understanding at all. I told myself I was healthy. I didn't understand why they wanted me to put on weight and I refused to take their advice. I devised a method of deceiving them. I had to be weighed every month. And so in the week leading up to the weighing, I would eat peanut butter sandwiches on my lunch break in Hyde Park. I would always wear a large overcoat by Paul Smith and I would fill the bottles full of lemonade, which I'd emptied and filled with water. The nurses never spotted it. The day after the appointment, I would be back on one Lowsley yoghurt a day. This went on for years and years and years. I never had a boyfriend. To burn off calories, I went running every morning and night. I wouldn't go on dinner dates in case someone made me eat. I didn't want much of a social life because that would mean I wouldn't be able to regiment my time fit in the dance classes. I never drank alcohol because it contained too many calories. Evening meals were a low-fat muesli with low-fat yoghurt. I never wanted a relationship because the thought of a man seeing me naked was abhorrent, terrifying. I didn't want to get pregnant because I didn't want to have to get fat. After Company Magazine, I began to write for newspapers and other magazines about film stars and pop stars and fashion. So now I was no longer just admiring them. I was part of their world. I was promoting it. Even though I was involved in the industry, it genuinely wasn't until I landed the job as editor at Marie Claire that I realised just how distorted the images can be. Now that I'm the editor, it's my job to study the sheets of photographs taken of models and celebrities and choose the perfect image. But even then, it's not deemed perfect enough. I sat in the art department of my magazine and saw how the men in the art department whitened the eyes of women's eyes and removed their pimples. We softened shadows under eyes and ease wrinkles. We removed blisters from feet and smooth foreheads. It began to dawn on me that I was perpetuating the unrealistic images that have made me so ill, and I began to feel unease. Hugging Giselle. Hugging Giselle was the final straw, and I came back from Paris deeply ashamed that I'm encouraging more young women to feel dissatisfied the with themselves. I'm not saying we shouldn't publish pictures of beautiful women because we like looking at them, they're inspirational aspirational, inspiring, sexy, they cheer you up. I'm just saying that the women we do photograph should look healthy and happy in their own skin. That was, it goes on and on and on, but that was my first ever piece in the Daily Mail.
1: And that was something you've run with since then, isn't it, that you've, you've been really
0: passionate about since then? But nothing's changed. Nothing's changed, no. You know, we've still got a Kate Winslet drama with her daughter taking pictures of herself and thinking she's fat. Yeah. What is going to change this? What is going to change the fact that women think the way they look is the most important thing? It's not. It's not. It's not.
1: And actually, it's now far more common, isn't it, for men to suffer with anorexia and eating disorders. And, you know, it's not just women now.
0: But why are we just so obsessed with this? I,
1: don't, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I think it's if we're brought up to believe that the, what's important is to be happy and healthy. And
0: but to have interests. It's uh, like yeah. these days, yeah. now I'm older, I see my idols are people like Jane Goodall, the primatologist yeah. who I interviewed for Marie Claire, or people like, Celia Hammond, who rescues cats, or scientists, or. People with a passion. People who are changing stuff, who care about stuff, who are passionate. Every week, lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at LizJonesGoddess. So we've got a reader's letter this week, Nick, from someone who isn't called David.
1: No, we have, which really made me laugh,
0: so I had to include it. It's from Martin. And another Martin, another not the Mar- Martin.
1: I don't think it's my Martin, but if it is, I gift him. He, I don't want him. I gift him. Um, he says, Hi, my name is not David and I do not live in the Midlands. As someone newly separated, well, if it is my Martin, he hasn't told me, Just wanted to say thanks for making me laugh today and for the education in terms of how guys come across as complete dicks. I've always enjoyed reading your column and wish you luck. That's their mission, isn't it? To educate men how to be better. Come on, Martin,
0: send me a private message. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos opinion pieces and more i'll be back next sunday but for now i'm liz jones and i'm nick goodbye goodbye